We're rolling. Welcome back. Episode 54 of the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies podcast, sponsored by Fight Pack CBD. Get 20% off your CBD order at fightpackcbd.com with code JJD. My name is Milton Campus. I'm a purple belt training out of South Florida. You can check me out on Instagram at Uncle Milty BJJ. We got Bo behind the camera. Say hello, Bo. Hello, Bo behind the camera. <laughs> <laughs> and our guest today, he's back. I think it was episode 34 we had him on. No, it's like 13, wasn't 13? it? No, it's 34. 34? 34. Really? Freddie Trillo. Thank you. Thank you for Welcome having me. Welcome back, man. I appreciate you coming appreciate back it. on. Thank you. Let's, uh, BJJ Fanatics, let's talk about it. Oh, yes. Is this your your first uh, your first instructional with yes. BJJ Fanatics? Yes. Congratulations. Um, man, I'm so excited. Yeah. You know, um, Placido Santos, he put it together. He visited my academy and um, he, hooked, he hooked me up where where I was able to go out there and, uh, and film, you know, film my entire instructional, particularly... Um, geared towards law enforcement. Yeah. Who, who's Placido? I don't. I haven't heard. Sorry, I haven't heard that name. Who's Placido? He's is... one of John Danaher's students. Okay. All and, right. Uh, he trains also with uh, Bernardo Faria. Okay. And stuff like that. Yeah. Purple belt also. Very good. Um, very good jujitsu guy and an amazing instructor as well. Yeah. Yeah. For being such a young belt, amazing instructor. And I mean, something much needed. I'm not sure how how much or how deep their catalog is in relation to law enforcement, but I mean, we need this. Absolutely. This is necessary. Uh, that was one of the things um, that I noticed on the site. There was a few videos, but I thought that I could bring something a little bit different to the table because there's a lot of great guys teaching um, that are cops and are now black belts. Mm-hmm. And they're doing a wonderful job. They have great programs out there. Uh, there's several of them. Uh, Invictus, I believe, has a program. Uh, Chad Lyman is 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 part of it. Um, there's a there's there's a couple of programs out there. I have not had an opportunity to take any other courses yet, but I know enough from my 25 now 30 approaching 30 years wow. of law enforcement. You know, a law enforcement training now where I'm like, I got a lot of good stuff yeah. that <laughs> I personally Imagine. used because I was doing jujitsu before jujitsu was even popular. Mm-hmm. There was nobody was doing jujitsu. I started in the mid 90s. I actually, I started with uh, Conan Silvera and his brother uh, Marcel. Uh, they Pre, were pre ATT. Yes, yes. Uh, they were actually called the Silvera Brothers. Okay. And then from there, it changed to uh, American Top Team. No, no. It, uh, Carlson Gracie came down, and he was Brazilian Top Team. And then from Brazilian Top Team, it changed to American Top Team. But by then, by the time it had changed to American Top Team, I was no longer with them. I had moved on. And, um, you know, history, you know, history yeah. shows itself. Everybody moved on. So for those who don't know who Conan is, he is the very large man that you see behind most of the ATT guys that yes. fight, um, females and males. I mean, yeah. he's that very large individual with the mustache, usually gets somebody on his shoulders at, after a win. Um, so yeah, he's been around and, and he's one of the main instructors instructors there at ATT, right, now, right up in Coconut Creek. Yes. Right? So, okay, so let's rewind. And again, you have an amazing story of how you found Jiu-Jitsu. I'm sure, again, we have a lot of listeners that maybe haven't listened to that that first episode. Let's tell everybody your story of how you found jiu-jitsu when you first became a police officer. 
it's a good story. Um, <laughs> it's just a part of a part of the story of I'm actually I don't want to get off topic so much, but we got plenty of time. You can go wherever you but want. I'm actually thinking of <laughs> writing a book. Okay. Because I go way back to the 80s. I go yeah. back to the cocaine cowboy era, Miami River Cops era. Mm. I have a lot of, I've seen a lot of stuff. Yeah. Been I, part I see of a lot the of cocaine stuff. cowboys keeps on coming up on my Netflix. Oh, <laughs> it's man. right there. I've heard it's good. Dude, I got to check it I, out. I'm sitting there and I'm watching this show and I'm like, and there's a few guys in the, in the recent show, um, there's another program, uh, I'm not sure if it was um, Cocaine Cowboys, but it's a new show on Netflix where they had a special down here. They did a, a reenactment of of crimes where the people got away with it. Okay. And it was in Miami in the 80s, 90s. And they used actual real people that were part of that crime scene. Wow. I think I know what you're talking about. They're doing stories. It's not just South Florida, right? It's right. just stories it's around the, the U.S., place. all crazy stuff. There's one about hockey, yes. like some mobster buys his kid. Yeah, it's a good I, show. I don't know the name, but I've seen it. It's a really good show. It's popping up on my feed. And so um, I'm watching these guys, and I'm like, wait a minute. I know this guy. <laughs> I know that guy. And I know that guy. I don't. I didn't remember them because we knew each other, but of I was them. in that. I, I was in that environment, okay. so I saw them. So we're not talking, we're talking bad guys, not Bad guys, yeah. yes. Okay. All not right. good guys, bad guys. <laughs> um, but believe it or not, a lot of those people were actually, they did crimes, but they were actually good people. And I know it's hard to, uh, some people to understand that, but they were actually good people. It was just a quick way of making money yeah. back then. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, I'm thinking of writing a book and um, how I got started, how I grew up. Yeah. And then... One day to the next, it was actually a, a Miami City, Miami cop because I was a security guard, mm -hmm. um, very close to this location here, and um, this is again '80s, and uh, City Miami guy pulls up in his little Corvette, <laughs> windows down, you know the <laughs> tight shirt, <laughs> gun in full display, center yeah. console, and so I said, hey. Um, if you don't mind, could you tell me what does it take to become a cop? And so he tells me, oh, man, we're broken. Hey, you know, hey. <laughs> with, that, with a real strong Cuban accent. But, um, yeah, so I was like, until then, I was like, man, I never really thought about being a cop. But at the same time, I had never done any, did anything where, I got caught doing anything bad. I'm not police work anymore. I can be pretty honest. Right I, I understand what you mean. Okay. I never got caught for anything. So, but one thing I did not ever do, especially as, as in the young era that I grew up in, I never did drugs. I never, ever, ever did any drugs. And I was constantly surrounded by it. Yeah. Bundles and bundles of kilos, bags and everything, which is part of my story. But I never did any of that stuff. And so I was pretty clean. Never got caught for doing anything bad, but I also never did any drugs. So it was kind of easy for me to slide right into police work. And that's how I got, that's how I got into police work. Let me, let me jump in on the book real quick. If and when you're ready, 
Uh, do you know who Richard Bressler is? No. He is one of the, uh, he was one of the first Gracie students in the U.S., in California. He just wrote a book. Came out recently. I know that he would love to impart some of his knowledge and things that he ran into. The do's and don'ts. I think it would be a great conversation for you to have. I'll put you guys, if when, if and when you say, yeah, hey, I'm ready to do it, to pick somebody's brain who just wrote a jujitsu book. It's called uh, Worth Saving. So, uh, man, I'm not doing it justice. I'm so, I have like a bad memory with names. Uh, but Richard, he just put out this book. It's amazing just on the on the initial days of, you know, when he started in the garage training with, with, the, with the Gracies. I think I know who that guy is. I yeah. don't know him personally, yeah. but I think I saw something on YouTube about a guy that started one of the first students and he was training out of his garage and he was giving his history on how it was worth defending. I'm so sorry, Richard, that I got that wrong. Worth defending is the name of the book. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? Schmuck. <laughs> and, uh, it was a good video. He had a lot of, he had a lot of knowledge. He had a lot of information that I personally remember because he, he probably started a little bit before me. Okay. But I was close enough to understand a lot of what he was saying. It's probably our episode. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He was uh, it it I would love to put you together. Again, it's worth, um, I don't know if you've seen that in some postings. That's the book. No, but um, I'm definitely going to get it. Yeah. Um, amazing read. I read it before I interviewed him. I was like, left me wanting more. I mean, it's like a history of, you know, when the Gracies verse came and, uh, he was Hori and Gracie's first U.S. student. You know, he might have had other students, but the first student that stuck with him, and he gave him right. a blue belt. And Richard Brussel was with him right through the UFC, you know, all the way through, and he still teaches jiu-jitsu out there in California. Amazing guy, and it was a great read. And I actually told him, like, like it left me wanting more. Like, when are you going to write another one? There's so much more here <laughs> that blanks that you could fill in, but it's a great book. And he's super uh, great with giving, you know, information. I think it would be a great conversation for you to have. Somebody that just did it, and uh, he just uh, recorded the audiobook. De definitely so, gonna get yeah. um, with him because, you know, like I said, I have a lot of knowledge on how who I started with, Severa Brothers. Then I switched over to the Valentes, and then now I'm under uh, Professor Tom DeBlas. How, how did that come to be? How did that come to be? Because oh, I mean, he's all the way up in in Jersey, right? Yes. So it's like you know, how does how do you guys come together? Well, I was. Um, I had left the Valente brothers, and so for a couple of years, I was like, uh, I was like solo. Mm -hmm. and, and you owned your school. I had my own school. school. I wanted to do my own thing. Okay. I think it was time to move on, and there was nothing bad. It was just time for me to move on and do my own, create my own pathways. And so I moved on, and uh, but at the same time, I'm like, like man, but although I. Really, I'll be honest with you, I don't care about my rank, but I kept getting students asking me, well, who's going to give you rank now, Sensei? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I knew I had to find something. Um, so I went to a seminar at Black House on Miami Beach. Mm -hmm. uh, my friend Ruben Alvarez invited me and... Um, it was a seminar for Tom LeBlas. He was he was doing a seminar there, and that's where I met him. Man, we hit it. I I can see Tom. Have you had him on the show yet? No. 
Okay. We're going to now. <laughs> you have to have them on I, the I, show. I, I, I might list. have, I, I don't know if I've thrown out an invite. A lot of times it happens by somebody, last guest says, hey, you should have this guy on. And ha- I know who Tom is. I met him at a seminar and down here at Fight Sports in Miami. After Maria, they did like a fundraiser. I don't know if you were there. Um, so I met him, you know, to meet him, take the picture, you know, thank you. Uh, but never, I haven't reached out to him. But uh, right. I think it would be great to, to have him he on. He is, the reason I'm with Tom <coughs> is because, He's very real. What you see is what you get. What he says, he walks. And that's something that that attracts me. You know, I need people that, that I don't have to second guess which way he, the wind's blowing. I know the way he thinks, excuse me. And, um, and I also like it that um, whenever I step out of line, and occasionally we do because we're dumbasses, sometimes we, we mess up, um, <laughs> even as fully grown adults. No, not me. <laughs> okay. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> My gosh. Man, I, I, um, I remember one time I was visiting, um, I was in New York City and I was visiting uh, Hensel's. And I did a post. I was so excited. I did a quick post, but I did a little misprint of something. And, dude, I was, I barely walked two blocks and my phone rang. (laughs) And he's like, what the F is that? (laughs) (laughs) What? Excuse me? (laughs) Yeah, so he he said, you wrote blah, 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 blah. I'll go, oh, my God. It's not what I, what I meant. Let me look. <laughs> Let me fix what I wrote. That sounds like what my wife does to me. Yes. <laughs> your yes. is not your. You are your. She's yes. on me about that. So. She's, she's your post patrol. Yes. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not saying that he's extreme. I, I'm just yeah. saying that, you know, whenever I step out of line, he he'll he'll call me right on the moment. He won't let you continue to make that mistake and yeah. really because then you're throwing out down the entire school, his name, brand, everything yeah. under the bus. So when you do things, you got to do them right. Be professional, be ready to kick ass, mm-hmm. but be professional about yeah. it. And that's that's something that that it, it it it's something that I appreciate and I'm attracted to, and um, so, that's why I'm under him. So you you meet him at the seminar? Yes. And you guys hit it off. How quickly was it? Like, hey, man, I'm looking for an affiliation. Was it something that developed over years, or was it like, hey, listen, man, I like you. I need an affiliation. What's the process? I think it was pretty. It was a pretty quick process. Uh, he was just getting started with a lot of the affiliations, so I was mm-hmm. one of the first. Oh, cool! So that kind of helped get the ball rolling, and I'm very proud that I was one of the first ones, and definitely the only one down here. And uh, now I look at the numbers. I see how many affiliations he has. Places all over the place. Yeah. All over the world. It's yeah. amazing. And he runs a tight, sh- a tight ship. I mean, literally, anybody steps out of line, they get you get called out. You got to fix it, or you're out. I'm always curious, and I've had this question. And I'm so glad we're talking about this. Is there a curriculum that comes from him, or do you have your no. own curriculum? Tom is one of the best when it comes to um, running affiliations. He doesn't jump on you. He doesn't tell you what you need to teach. Yeah. He he does his judgment. He, you know, he's not dumb. Nobody, he's not going to let anybody in. He's going to do his homework on you. Mm-hmm. He's going to check you out. He's going to see who you are. 
Uh, so he's a good judge of character for that part. And, um, and so he doesn't really uh, force me. However, I am pretty much every, my guard game, my half guard is all Tom DeBlas. Okay. Really, it is. And my game changed completely because of him, especially when I went to visit him in, uh, in New Jersey at his academy, Ocean County. BJJ, I, I, um, he called me out on, on, he said, my jujitsu is good, but there's a few things that I was not doing well that I could have done that I could be doing much, much better. And he pointed out a lot of flaws that I had in my game that I wasn't even aware of because I was following an older system, an okay. older style that, um, that I didn't see it from his view. And mm. once he presented it from his view, I was like, you're right. I am messing up. I'm not doing this right. I need to change this. And so I feel that that uh, my game has developed tremendously because of that, particularly because of that, um, that um, half guard series. It really, he has one of the best half guard uh, instructionals out there. This is my second question as it relates to, uh, to affiliations. After all the stuff happened recently with the sexual assault allegations that were coming out, in my mind, as I started to see affiliates drop off from certain relationships, uh, gyms moving out, going out on their own, I thought to myself, is the affiliate system broken? To be beholden, maybe is the word, to one like somebody at the top could screw it up for everybody below, you know, or a group of people, I should say, could screw something up, think something happens up here and shit rolls downhill. Right. And I started to think, and I almost put it out as a post, been doing TikTok, so I was going to put it out at a post where people can like really respond and record something back. And then I said, I held myself back from doing it. I'm a purple belt. I know the training side. I helped my first school uh, do some, you know, like helps with the kids classes. And if he wasn't around, I'd open up the doors. But I was truly curious when I saw that happen. Is the affiliate system broken? Is it necessary to be tied to, again, now to, you know, you're, uh, Tom's great. Not every affiliate system is great. Right. You know, a lot of, I know people that just kind of like are a rent a name. You're higher than me, so I'm going to pay you X amount of dollars per month so that you can come and give me my stripe. That's all they need you for because there's no curriculum coming down. Uh, I know somebody who doesn't even have a school who does it, doesn't have a school, has a black belt, and he goes around to, not a lot, but goes around to his affiliates when it's time to, for them to get a stripe. Is that, that part, I think that that feels broken to me, that part. I know Tom DeBlas is, you know, he's on the Mount Rushmore of jiu-jitsu. He's definitely one of those guys. But is that broken for, for you know, a situation like that, isn't that broken? Uh Man, that's a tough one. Um, I'm not sure I am in that position to really respond to that because I don't have any affiliations. So I'm looking at it from the so You're from an the affiliate, ground. not somebody who has affiliations below right. you. Right. So, but, I mean, man, to, to rent names, wow, that's a... That's a I, I'm, I'm, use, sure I'm that using that, that term. I'm using that term. I'm sure that, that term, can happen, you know. Listen, I'm I'm actually behind a stripe. Yeah, I don't care. 
I don't care yeah. about the belt. I tell Bo, we've talked about that on the show a little bit. I'm in a place, I'm purple. I don't really care. I want the knowledge. Like you're at this point where it's just like the color doesn't matter anymore. You know, seven years in to me, it doesn't mean you know, 30 years in. Right. It, I, I have that feeling now. It's a reward. It's nice to have, but I could really care less what the color is right now. Really, I don't. If you ever see any of my pictures, I rarely ever, you'll see me wearing my belt with the actual rank on it. I just wear a regular black belt. Okay. Because to me, it's just, I, I'm not, I, I don't live with a hat, with an eagle about all my stripes or red belt. I, I can care less. I really do. Yeah. And I say that honestly. I don't care about belts. A belt means nothing outside of the academy. It's how you live yourself. It's how, you know, how you guide yourself. It's how you conduct yourself. Be a professional stuff. There's so many things apply to, to that. So, and how many guys are great fighters and don't have any rank? Or you hear that they, like, he got his purple belt at, after that fight or, right? I mean, yeah. because they've been training MMA for years, probably doing more nogi than anything, and they weren't part of the belt system. Right. You know, I don't know that does. Every gym who only does no gi really worry about rank. I don't necessarily agree that issuing belts because they win, they're great fighters, or they're doing that in their prime. They're doing yeah. that when they're when they're strong and, and athletic, and they can they can do a lot of stuff. But let's take all that away. Let's take all your your physical attributes. Now you have to rely strictly on your technique. What's left? That's what you should be really judged on. Mm -hmm. Do you know the technique, yes or no? I mean, it helps to be strong. It really does. But, but it should boil down to the technique, you know. Um, at least that's the way I see it. So when it goes, going back to the affiliation thing, I can see where somebody at the top could bring the whole system down, and, but it could be the same from the bottom. You can have a little affiliation mess it up and now you're dragging it ha i mean you're dragging kind of what daddy's both, name into it. it it happened both ways right now it you can. Know, the bad boy down here but that bad boy i don't want to uh, dismiss it somebody did something bad very bad down here it's very bad it went up but then the top also said okay you handled it a certain way and maybe not everybody agrees with it and now it's going you know yes now there's something bad happening on both sides top and I, bottom. i think what happened was and we're referring to those uh, the sexual allegations with um, particular uh, fight sports. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to talk about the incident itself. It was horrible what happened, but um, you know it's it's it, it could have been handled differently. And I feel that sometimes you let your you're looking at oh, it's my friend. I'm trying. Let me try to help him out. I'm sorry. It comes a point where you need to protect the school. You need to protect the image. One. Two, what's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. I don't care who you are. Any of my, my students, it could be my friend, does something like that with a student that's in particular underage, you are out. You are out. I, it's not even up for discussion. You're out. You have nothing to do with my name ever again. 
I'm sorry, but you crossed that line. And I tell people from day one, there's a line that you don't cross. So um, that's the way I see it. You know, I mean, you just don't do stuff like that. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, again, uh, you can ruin the business. I I think there's a, you're running a business, and in our world, that business, those people that are involved with your business become your family. But if you don't want this, something like this to happen, you have to disconnect and say, you've done something wrong. You can't be part of this anymore. You have to go. I might be able to see you over there and help you over there, but it can't be. I have children. I have women. I have family members. I don't think I can't have you here. And that shows not only good business sense, but I think you have a moral obligation to your students to not have that. Even if you believe I want to help that person. I want to help them. They screwed up. They can't be part of my affiliation. But in my personal life, when I'm Clark Kent over there, I'm going to help you, but it can't be associated with. I could maybe see how that can happen. But bringing somebody in that that has gotten in trouble and has admitted to wrongdoing into your your home, your jujitsu home, where there are other people who may not agree with you, then I think it's it's a poor business decision and, again, a poor moral decision. You can help them over here, but as it relates to the business and having that person around other people who don't agree with you, you've got to take that into consideration. That's what I think. You That's know? why I don't mix my jujitsu so much with my students so much. You know, I'm very friendly, and mm-hmm. sometimes they'll they'll want to get together somewhere, and I may or may not once in a while show up, mm-hmm. but still. At the end of the day, they're still my students. Mm-hmm. So I need to still, um, you know, I need to be, I need to walk that talk. I need to be an example because I am their sensei. You show up an event. Now that's a, a Trillo Academy event, right? Now so, you're there. Oh, though everyone's there, even professor. Even Do you prefer sensei? I know your, your Instagram is sensei. Sensei <laughs> or professor? Do you, do you have a, a preference? Depends. Mas- <laughs> master. No, 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 no. Ever, yeah. ever. Man, we had a guy teaching at some taekwondo place, and they kept calling him master this. And ma- I don't call anybody master. Okay, I'm sorry. And, and it's his... It's just, I feel that that's just, who the hell is a master? None of us are masters of anything here, okay? I'm still learning to this day, okay? But the most thing I get called besides sensei, profe. Because I'm I'm right there, borderline Hialeah, man. It's all I hear all the time, man. So once in a while, you'll see my little hashtag, it profe with a little sensei symbol. Okay. That's actually me putting it okay. out there. So I because I do your your Instagram handle is it says like what is sensei underscore sensei underscore trillo. Okay, so I've the, changed the, it here and there. So yeah. does anybody call you sensei though, or is that yes, just what's for the handle? Everybody oh. calls oh, me okay, sensei, dude. Okay. I can't go anywhere. You'll get there, Milton. You'll well, get I mean, there. sensei sensei I always <laughs> equated more towards like uh, like uh, karate or like other martial arts. What's no? that? What? What are you karate? I'm, sorry. I'm not. I don't mean to put yeah, down no. karate. Just, <laughs> it's okay. We've talked about being bougie. Jujitsu is bougie. We, <laughs> we hate. We, we hate. I, we, I, we I nice, hear it. Was it? We, we hate, but we love. We love them, but we hate. We hate right, them. Right, right. Love go hate. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so I've always equated sensei to karate, and right. then you know, for us Brazilian jujitsu, from my understanding, right, 
professor or professor really is what they is is teacher there in in Brazil or in Portuguese is just teacher. It's not the same as like you're a professor of English at this university. Like it's not necessarily the same. It's just kind of been came from Brazil. Am I wrong? Do you how, know how many years does it take to to get the actual title of professor at a university? Less time than it does to do jujitsu. To get it in jujitsu, right? Man, on yeah, average, I mean, right now, I think the average now is what eight a black belt. About eight I, years. Ten. I, well, I mean, okay, you're you're in a different position than me. From my side, from the student side, I mean, we always think ten years, ten good years of training. Okay. But the number is significantly getting lower, and I can tell you exactly why that's happening. It's a lot more structured now than when it first was twenty years ago. Mm -hmm. Remember 20 years ago? Well, oh. I remember. Seven, I'm, seven, I'm in seven in. 20 years ago, um, <laughs> guy would show up. And, what are we going to go over today? Let's go over arm bars from yeah. the guard. Yeah. So it was not very organized. Mm -hmm. And so um, the first people to get it organized were actually the Valentes down here. Mm -hmm. They had it. And that helps because Pedro Valente went to UM and got his master's degree in business. Probably his PhD by now, I'm not sure. But he's brilliant when it comes to business. And he put it together. And he put it so well together that Gracie, California. See, people don't know this. Pedro's numbers were bigger than actual Gracie Academy in California. Yeah, okay. So Gracie, California called. What are you doing <laughs> <laughs> that we're not doing yeah. here? So I, they... Teach Explained. us. <laughs> yeah. So it was based because of the curriculums. It was just organized a lot, lot better. Gracie California copied it, and now Gracie California has mushroomed yeah. all over the place. Um, so that's why the numbers have gone from, it took me 17 years to get to Black Belt. 17 years. Nowadays, you hear guys getting it in about six, eight, you know, 10 is still on the high side now. I think it gets lower. And the reason also is because now you have kids that are starting at the age of five, for mm -hmm. example. So by the time these kids get to eight, if they stay with you, I have kids that started with me at five years old and they're 15 now. They have 10 years of training and they're barely entering the adult system. Obviously, they don't come in as white belts. Usually, like sixteen, right? You're gonna they're, they're no, gonna, actually, they're gonna be getting a blue at sixteen, right? Yes, I actually lowered it a bit. Yeah, because I got some freaking big teens, dude. Yeah, I don't know what they're feeding these kids. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, hey everyone, thanks for watching. If you're enjoying the show, please help us thank our sponsor at Fightback CBD. We couldn't do this without them. Head over to their website at fightbackcbd.com. Check out their growing line of CBD products and find the solution that's right for you. That's fightbackcbd.com. And get 20% off your purchase with discount code JJD. Also, check them out on social media at fightbackcbd. Now back to the show. I had one kid who was 14. He's like, I'm 6'3", 200 huge wow. yeah. huge how am i going to put this kid in a teens class <laughs> you yeah, know i had yeah. to bump up, i had to bump him up but i had to bump a few others that were only 14 that they had been with me since they were like five years old 
So these kids are getting really, really good. So good that they enter the adult system and they're kicking butts of the adults. So I have to kind of like tell the adults offhand, hey, listen, guys, you may see them young, but you've been training two years. He's been training 12. Yeah. So this kid has a way head start on you. Yeah. Don't feel bad. Appreciate <laughs> the ass kicking yeah, that yeah. you're getting <laughs> and understand that it's not based on their size because you're still bigger and stronger than they are. They're beating you on pure technique. Yeah. That just shows you how powerful this technique is. Yeah. Let me, let me do something. I'm going to come back to, I want to talk about uh, the Gracies and as it relates to law enforcement, which is your specialty here. Let me just give some shout outs here. I'm, I'm off mic. Uh, let me give some shout outs here to some of our sponsors. Uh, DD214 Fightwear at DD214 underscore Fightwear. Gear for the war on PTSD. Get 15% off your online order at dd214bjj.com. Warriors Next Adventure, they're a veteran nonprofit helping veterans overcome PTSD through recreational therapy. You can donate anytime at warriorsnextadventure.com. A huge shout out to Flow and Roll. I got my Flow and Roll t-shirt on today. Got some gifts over here for you guys too from Flow and Roll later on. Uh, I just stopped by the Arte Suave event. That's happening over here in Fort Lauderdale. Yes. Got some new swag, so he gave me some really cool stuff. But I always tell everybody, Flow and Roll, gym owner, academy owner, he does awesome kits, custom gear. It's amazing. His artist is it's ridiculous. Uh, so huge shout out to Flow and Roll, at flow underscore n underscore roll on Instagram. Get 20% off your online t-shirt, rash guard, or gi order with code JJD at flowandroll.com. Alrighty. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and share wherever you're watching or listening. If you're watching us on YouTube, don't forget to click the bell. Uh, you'll get notifications each time we launch new videos. All right? All right. Back, back to the show. Back to the show. So you mentioned the Gracies. What do you think about this huge push that, and I don't want to say they're at the forefront because I don't know if there's anybody else that's been doing it that I don't know of. I know you. I know what you've done here through our conversations, but this push that the Gracies made to bring jujitsu to law enforcement. What are your thoughts on the, on on what's been going on? I um. Okay, I have some personal uh, thoughts on it. Number one, I'm very appreciative as an officer what they're doing. Okay, they're doing a good thing. Mm -hmm. You know, they're promoting jujitsu for law enforcement, and that's a wonderful thing. But, and they're probably the biggest, but they've been around the longest, and obviously the Gracie name helps. Mm -hmm. Anything they push right now will sell. If they made pancakes, Gracie pancakes, <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll take three. <laughs> Gracie diet pancakes, yeah. you know, which they do have them, yeah. but um, it'll sell. So that's why they're in the forefront. On the flip side of that, I feel that what they're doing is good. But now you have actual police officers that are black belts. Mm -hmm. You can never, ever really understand a cop's position unless you wore the uniform and had to actually put the handcuffs on somebody. Okay. Gotcha. And 
Only another cop would know that. There's so much to it. Uh, and that's not just the Gracie's, but there's other uh, places where, you know, they're doing a good job. They're teaching cops. But you got to understand that not everything in jiu-jitsu could be taught to cops because they can't use, I would say, 95% of jiu-jitsu. They can't use it. Well, either they're not allowed. They're not it's allowed. It's just not, like, I'm not going to arm bar a, like, probably not. I'm not saying that you couldn't be in that position. That's what you mean, right? Not allowed? Right. Or it just doesn't make sense? It's both of those things, right? Both. Okay. Arm bars are allowed, but really, I mean, you don't really see that in law enforcement. It's not a smart thing to do. If you put your leg in front of somebody, first of all, there's no tapping in a street fight. There's no tapping. What the hell is that? The guy's not going to tap. You may, you're going to have to physically dislocate his entire arm, and he's still going to keep fighting. Yeah. Number two, you put your foot in front of his face, you corner a rat, he's going to bite you. Yeah. So now whatever he has, you have. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's not worth the juice not worth to squeeze, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, so when I see guys teaching arm bars, I'm like, dude, I can tell this guy's never been in law enforcement because a real cop wouldn't be teaching that. That's, you don't teach that stuff. What do you teach in law enforcement? I'll tell you what I teach because I just did the video. And, uh, <laughs> and I, have, I have guys, uh, this is like my third podcast in the last week, uh, for law enforcement and stuff, because of the, the 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 video instructional came out, but surprisingly, my instructional is extremely simple. I don't teach any violence in my instructional. If you're watching this, get my instructional. <laughs> What's the name? Grappling. Well, it's on BJJ Fanatics. You have to go to that site to purchase it, and it's a, a grapple. I call it grapple control techniques for law enforcement, okay? I'm not teaching any violence in that, in, in that instructional. I keep it extremely simple. If you look at fighting, let's look at UFC. That's the closest thing we can, mm -hmm. uh, that we have for, for fighting, MMA. What are the three most common, statistically, the, the, the high percentage takedowns you see in fighting in general? Single leg. Single leg. Right. Uh, double leg. Double leg. Because, yeah, because of the guillotines a little less. So, uh, no, maybe that's not true. Double leg. Um, and usually, like, some, like, I've got your back. going to sit you down type of body situation. Body locks. Okay, body locks. Body locks. Those are the three most common takedowns. Got him. I got him already. You had it. <laughs> Just didn't have the name. The, the, the name is different. It. Yeah, the position. He's bad with names. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, those are the three takedowns that, that I really, really push in my law enforcement seminars and in this instructional. Mm -hmm. Single leg, double leg, body lock. All three of them combine. And there's no particular order. You can go from body lock to double leg to single to double leg back to body lock, back to single. You could do it from the standing. You could do it front body lock, back body lock. You could do it from the ground. You see it more sleep, mostly in grappling, sport grappling, uh, jiu-jitsu matches where 
you can pick up that single if if you're like in a uh, butterfly position mm-hmm. and a guy's standing over you. You can pick up the leg. It can start off with the single. It could turn to the double. It could turn into the body lock. I use the exact same approach for law enforcement. And that's how I tailor all of those three takedowns. A lot of body locks, particularly from the back, because it's hard to body lock, fold somebody from the front. That's where you're going to get the most of your resistance. So in the instructional, I... I'll show one from the front, but most of them are transitioning to the back. You're safer in the back. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, it, it, and you have a lot more options from 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 the back. So yeah, I I teach uh, those body locks and I teach a lot of kimodas. Now I don't call them kimodas in the instructional because you don't really have that word kimoda in law enforcement. It doesn't translate well. It doesn't translate well. I actually call it a double wrist control because that's what you are doing double wristing each other okay figure four what have i kept it simple double wrist control leading to handcuffing Mm -hmm. and i think that's even easier and i mentioned it like that because again i know what law enforcement the brass up top is looking for you have to be very detailed and, and articulate a name for everything can't just say uh, the subject was resisting arrest, so I kimoded him. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is that? Huh? <laughs> First of all, it's not going to make it past Kim the sergeant. Who? Kim who? The who's, sergeant's going to look at that. So who the hell is Kim? Where she came? Where did she come from? Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> you, you know, and and then it's not going to sound good yeah. in court. You know, because they're going to they're going to read that in courtroom front of the judge could, could you demonstrate jury. that sir yeah. yes what's a kimoda so i rather say it's more of a double risk control okay it's a little bit easier for for somebody that's not knowledgeable in in fight terminology to understand they know what a wrist is double they know what that is double risk control they can try to figure it out after we have to explain it still to yeah <laughs> but i show a lot of uh a lot of kimodas um Really? Uh, just I start off standing, kimura, how to take the person down. Really, there's uh, one, two, it's about two or three ways of doing it. And, uh, and every lead, everything leads to handcuffing. Nothing stops. Everything, everything leads to handcuffing. And I, it's very important that I teach these officers, especially the new ones out there, that how you train yourself, how you train is how you're going to perform under pressure. Okay. And being in several shootouts, I've been in a few shoot throughout my career. You literally, your mind literally stops thinking. It's like a switch. It kicks on and it resorts back to its training. If you trained yourself to do nothing, you're not going to do anything. If you trained yourself to react, you're going to react based on your training. And and this is something that I didn't read about this. I experienced it. Mm -hmm. I've been there. And I feel that going back to what we said earlier, that's what brings me to the forefront here. Because I've been in, I've worn these boots. Yeah. Okay. I've gotten in trouble for, for, for doing certain things that I shouldn't have done. Um, 
I've learned how to do things better. I've mastered the now, for, it's not, no longer used, the rear. Can't use that down here? The strangle, you can't yeah. use it anywhere. anywhere. Yeah. It's gone. It's like that's the. It's gone. I mean, isn't that one of like the most gone. important positions that you could, that you could Do have? Do you know how many people I put out in 20 something years? On an, on an, on an, uh, okay, so off the mat, on the mat, we do it every day. I mean, we don't owe oh, it. No. They don't pass out no. usually because they tap. But mm. I've never, I've never seen or heard of anybody dying no, from a jujitsu, you know, rear naked choke. I mean, anything which can is happen. Like, if I can put this guy, wouldn't I want to put this guy that's fighting me, that who could who could kill me or is trying to hurt other people? Let me just put him out. I get the cuffs on him, and now it's a different situation. Well, if it's a 10-minute But they've choke, taken it maybe, away. You know, yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's the problem. But see, here's the thing. This is where it goes back to my experience. I had perfected how far to take it, where I can take it to the point where the person will actually shit themselves. Oh, boy. Pee and shit them. I knew exactly how long to hold it. This is not based on science. This was based on me practicing on the streets. Wow. The guys, they, they, they were resisting arrest. I wasn't, guys, don't get me wrong. I wasn't just walking up to some <laughs> shop. Let's make that guy shit on himself. <laughs> put him out to see if he shits himself. No. Okay. There was a few situations, few individuals that damn right deserved it. But anyways. Um, Does Bo look familiar to you at all? <laughs> I remember <laughs> shitting myself once during... But I don't know if that was aliens <laughs> yeah. or cops. You know? <laughs> I was part of a um, um, a violent task force where we went after robbery subjects. We went after guys that committed murders. Guys, the 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 worst of the worst. That's what we were after. So many of my test subjects were guys that are probably still doing. <laughs> Test life, I like that. <laughs> life in prison or, yeah. or what have you. I mean, maybe some of them may be out because, you know, I mean, they barely do any time nowadays. But um, these were not your average um, uh, shoplifters. Yeah. These were really bad people that wanted to put on a fight. So I got to practice my jiu-jitsu. So I, I had it down to a science. And so... But now I want to, uh, that was only a few situations that I did that. In general, all of my, all of my instructionals are just based on what works and what doesn't work. The kimura worked very, very well. Once you lock in a kimura on someone, it's practically over. Okay. The only exceptions you can have would be somebody that's under the influence of maybe some narcotic where they just, pain is not even an issue to them mm -hmm. you could literally break them in half you know like and they're gonna keep on going and they're gonna keep going and so those people unfortunately you have to put them out nowadays since you took away that valuable tool i feel bad for some officer yeah. they encounter somebody like under the influence of a drug like i think what is it called flaca or something oh the fun stuff <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, could you imagine that? There is no reasoning. There's you're fighting somebody that's not going to feel anything that you give them. You're going to literally going to have to put them out. That's where the rear naked strangle would be ideal. It's a go. It would be a go-to right there. Yeah, 
And no, some of the things that are out there, I don't even think these things are drugs. They're industrial chemicals. They're, it's crazy. What, like people are legitimately dangerous. Are you speaking yeah. about like um, Flocka? Flocka, yeah, yeah. the bath salts, these COVID. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't hear anything. Yeah. <laughs> Let's if we can. We 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 wound up going over. It, if you don't mind, would you mind telling your story about what happened with you when you? First got on the force and how you found jujitsu. Oh yes, because we we didn't uh, we didn't get too far into it today. I mentioned it yep. in the first podcast, yeah. but I didn't mention it in this one. So yeah, yeah. I'll talk about it briefly. I got. I was a rookie officer in Opalaka, and uh, I pulled over a guy who, um, in my in my view, was just committing a traffic infraction. I didn't know that he had just carjacked. You know, that he um, he violently beat an elderly person up and took their car. The call wasn't even out. The call had not, a 911 call had not even been received yet. This was a fresh, fresh crime. So I had no idea who I was stopping other than a guy that blew a stop sign. And this was in a really bad area of Miami, city of Opalaka, in the 90s. Up and coming era. <laughs> in the, the, the Opalaka today, 2021, doesn't hold a shadow to the one that, that I was working in. But anyways, long story short, the guy actually stopped when I initiated my lights because I thought he was just speeding, so I didn't think he was going to take off or anything. The moment he got out of the car, he rushed me. So I didn't even have time. As he's rushing my car, I didn't have time to even call in my traffic stop. I had to get out of the car and address him. If not, I would have been I would have been a sitting duck had he had a gun or something. He would just easily walked up to me and shot me without me having time to defend myself. So I jumped out of the car to meet him. We had some uh, communication. He rushed me, picked me up, slammed me on the ground, uh, and just... He mounted me. 1992. There was no UFC. There was no MMA. There was no ground and pound. But apparently he knew. <laughs> apparently that's the practice in prison. He had just been out of prison. That was rigged. And um, he mounted me and just went to work. And I was, I was 22 years old. And I was a gazelle. I was in shape. I was, I could, I could do a you know, I was in very good shape and I used to box back then. I used to box at Tropical Park. So I had good hands. And then I had just graduated from the police academy a few months prior to that. So I thought I was ready until I met him. I was going to say, you know, at 22, when I was 22, I thought I knew it all. Yes. I thought I could... Like nothing could stop me. And now when I think back to 22, I'm like, I was a freaking little, that's, I was a kid. I was a yeah. child still, you know, as of almost 50, I was a child. So I can imagine, you know, again, being in that position again, you think you're, you think we know ready it. to go. Full of testosterone, you know, we, we, we world, think we know it. The world you know, <laughs> has its way of, of letting you know, you know, but, but um, so, um, yeah, that's how I got, the guy just destroyed me. He, 
practically tried to kill me. He threw, grabbed my radio, threw it over a fence, grabbed my handcuffs, threw the, the handcuffs over the fence. He was trying to rip the gun out of my holster, but he couldn't get it out because I had a safety holster. One, two, I was on my back. And those holsters, you kind of have to pull back to retrieve the gun. So being on my back, you can, I couldn't even get my own yeah. gun out. Imagine him being from the mount position. So that kind of, that did save my life. And um, I just, um, you know, I remember I bear hugged him because there was, I didn't know how to get him off of me. I did not know. I didn't know. So I just bear hugged him. And I just kept remember looking up at the sky. And I always say this, I, it comes a point where, you know, you start thinking, I cannot believe this has actually happened to me, happening to me, and I'm going to die right here. I honestly believed I was going to die right there. I mean, the guy, I mean, what, what more was it left? The guy's trying to take my gun to kill me. Mm-hmm. He's trying to, he's strangling me with his hands. He's trying to bite me. I have blood everywhere. I barely see out my eyes, you know. I, but I could see the sky, and I'm like, I, I can believe that this is happening to me. And I know that's the exact same thought that many that are no longer with us experience prior to leaving. I can't believe this is happening to us. And let me tell you, nothing matters to you at that moment. Your car payments, your overtime, mm-hmm. you're late for something. Nothing, nothing matters except you're thinking, why is this happening? I can't believe it's happening. Why can't I stop this from happening? And so I knew, obviously I made it through that incident. And it was a few years later when I found jiu-jitsu. And, and the moment I took my first jiu-jitsu lesson, I remember that I used to live in... I used to live in Kendall. Some listeners may not know, but from Kendall to downtown Miami, it's about 20 miles, I would say. It should be, it should be what? Um, 30 minute drive? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you think 30, 40 minute drive. It would take you, if you leave Kendall in the morning, anywhere after 7 a.m., you probably get to downtown Miami around 9.30, 10. Two and a half hour, three hour drive just to get there. So when I found my jiu-jitsu school, it was in downtown Miami and I lived in Kendall. But because I almost lost my life, I knew that this is exactly what I needed. Worth every second. Worth every Worth every second of travel to get there and i would do that man five days a week every single day i would go and do that two-hour commute and i would work um the midnight shift so as soon as i get out i'd I'd go home real quick change and then go go straight over there that's how much it meant to me so I did that for a few years, and then they moved to Miami Beach. And so that, no longer could I just go there. Now I had to go even further to Miami wow. Beach. So I started doing that for a while. 
But um, that's how I got started in jiu-jitsu. And uh, because, you know, unlike some, and it's great that, that, that many of the officers that are listening to this, you know, hopefully they've never had to experience a near-death situation like I did. But that's why I never stopped because I see so many officers. Officers are lazy, number one. That's flat out going to say it. You, we are some of the most lazy people ever when it comes to training. Okay? Because if you look at the numbers, every academy probably has, I would say, a high number here, 40 students for every one cop that trains jiu-jitsu. Okay. It's probably more. The, rate, the ratio? Of regular citizens to yeah. cops training. Yeah. I know in my school, I know who the police officers are. I, and our that, cops that's a good number. It's probably are, out of one out of 50. And our cops are our first line of defense here locally. So they should be out training all jiu-jitsu. So when I see them not wanting to train or they start and they get laxical and, the, man, I know it's because they've never been in my shoes. Because if you were in my shoes, all that overtime, all that is worth crap if you don't have a life. What was the continuing ed requirements, physical ed, when you were coming up? Was there any physical education requirements, any test, physical fitness tests that you had to pass or continuing ed that was required when you were in the force? To get hired. To get hired, but again, the continuing ed afterwards. No, I don't think. On. I don't think many. I don't think of any departments has anything after. Even now. Even now. I was. Uh, I, I mentioned this on the last show. I don't know if you know who uh, Zazinho is. Yes. Um, he's a black belt under Ricardo Laborio, right? You, you go I, back. You might. I don't know if you ever. You ever trained with him? I mean, he no. was an American top team. You mentioned Conan. Um, I was. I mentioned to him that because. Where he is now, he's on a police I'm sorry. He's, he, he He actually came to my seminar. Okay. He, I did a he, seminar he at City you. Miami. He did, he did mention you. That's right. Yeah. We didn't train, but he took yeah. my seminar. Yes, he did mention. Yes. Um, so my, I saw my parents for their anniversary on August 15th. And I talk about my father. My father was a cop. I talk about him so much on the show. I bring that up. And I always mention that I don't remember him ever having to do any continuing education, any continuing physical education. So I, when I was there with him at the hard rock, I said that, you know, I'm always talking about this. I don't remember growing up, you having to do anything. Did you? He says, no, there was nothing other than having to get certified, uh, you know, uh, shooting. So what's the, what's, what would be the term you have to certify? They call it annual, an annual certification for your, your, your gun. Um, there was never anything, as it relates to physical education. And he was on 23 years. So, and that was NY, he was the uh, New York City Transit Police before it all became NYPD. Nothing, ever. And that always baffles me. And it's the, you know, that that big cop, the cop walking the beat with the gut hanging over. It's like, what is what is he really going to do other than something with his gun? How is he going to really police properly if that person isn't made to stay in good physical shape, right? We wouldn't let our military do that, right? You wouldn't let somebody in the military do that. Why are we letting, you know, not in every department, but 
you know, the departments, people that I've spoken to, yeah, there is no requirements for physical, you know, for your physical fitness problem. Yes. The system's broken. Yeah. <laughs> it is. So, it's, now, uh, as someone who trains, right, you are still, you still run classes, you still go and train at the academy? Do you still, you mentioned uh, the one that you, uh, that you were. Yes, I still do a lot of seminars all the time. Seminars. Do you go to, so are you, you're working for police departments, you'll come in and do like a very specific training? Yes. Okay. Yes. They, um, you know, I'm still reserved, but um, I'm any day now, I'm just about to turn my stuff because I rarely do anything at all. Is that when reserved? Do they have to call you in? Once in a while, uh, once a month, I go in. I do okay. a few hours. Okay. I I was doing it in the beginning because I wanted to still stay up to date with what's with what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But now I'm pretty much getting to the point where I'm just ready to completely move on okay. and move into the next phase of my life, which is completely excuse me, dedicating myself to um, teaching at my academy and building up my my students and stuff. That's great. Yeah. Good place to be. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> you, Absolutely. You put love in your it. time, too. Right? But yeah, the system is broken when it comes to that. It's getting slowly fixed in terms of applying jujitsu. I mean, there's a lot more jujitsu nowadays being taught than there was 20 years ago when I first started teaching jujitsu at the academy. Literally fighting a, a mountain. I had to change so many mindsets. But what's happening now is that you have more people training jiu-jitsu that are starting, that have been doing jiu-jitsu for a while. These young people are getting hired in police departments. And so they're slowly moving up the ranks. And so they have some jiu-jitsu knowledge, so they see the importance, so they're helping push changing it from the inside yes we're yeah. changing it from the inside slowly i knew this was going to happen and now here's the next thing and and if it keeps going in the direction that i feel it's going we're going to see we're going to have a much better prepared police department in the future officers mm -hmm. because uh at least what i'm doing with the local departments down here man we really are implementing a lot of jujitsu from the academy level when the moment they first start the academy to become a police officer there's still quite a few techniques that are being taught that are very old ancient and should not be used at all <laughs> but you know progress is being made we are implementing little stuff little by little but here's how it changes if you can develop a good curriculum at the academy level, the academy lasts about nine months to a year. You can agree with this, and anyone that trains jiu-jitsu will agree with this. Give anybody nine months to a year of training. How well are they going to be prepared? When you were talking about that situation where you were mounted, in my mind I'm saying any white belt, four stripes, maybe a blue, anybody training a year, oh. Oh. it's 101. That's oh. Jiu-Jitsu 101 for them. Oh. And so if we start off at the academy level in 10, 15 years, you have the majority of police department with Jiu-Jitsu knowledge. Now, they don't have to continue that after, 
after those after that year of training. But that's a year of training that it's always going to be there. And they're, and they're not getting now. And you change the entire culture of police work. They don't have to rely on... They have these one drills that I think it's where they make officers put on their gloves and, and they hit each other. And I'm like, oh, because it's going to make them tough. Separate the weak from the poor. I go, man, I run an academy and I wouldn't do that. Why are you guys doing that? You're not even full-time instructors. Yeah. A lot of these instructors at these police academies took a week course a one-week course, got certified to teach the topic, and now they're teaching mm. other people. I could see the benefit of you, the perp- if I'm the police officer, you're the perpetrator, and we're in training, you putting the gloves on, and you you have permission to try to hit me. But I've got to do everything that I can right. to put the cuffs on you without hurting you, without having to punch you, use my jujitsu skills, use my self-defense skills, but not me getting into a tangle with you because it only takes one shot, right? Everybody's got to punch his chance. That's it. That's it. And to me, and they usually do that at the very end of their, their, of their months of training. And I can remember, you may get somebody to quit by doing that. The weak, that's how you weed, weed out the weak. I go, I, I don't see it that way. No, it's the complete me, opposite of what jiu is supposed to, me, to be. That is a failure as an instructor on your part. You mean to tell me you spent nine months with them you taught them everything that you know, and at the very last, you give them a test that was that didn't prepare them for that test. It was completely opposite of everything else you taught them. And then you accept the failure? My friend, you're the failure. You failed them. Because to me, you did nine months with me? Damn right you're going to pass. You know? And I'm going to build you up to that. Let me ask you this. Would, and I don't know if I'm getting a little subtext of what you were saying before. If I'm a police officer, is it's best for me to find a school where there's a coach or coaches who are from law enforcement. Number one. I, you agree with that statement, right? If you're an officer, you probably yes. want to find somebody who's been in your shoes. Yes. The second part of that is, should I only, as a police officer, should I only be learning techniques that I'm going to use? And does other, th- do things that might get me into trouble or like the arm bar, like would I maybe make the mistake of doing something that I shouldn't do because I'm used to rolling with my hobbyists and, you know, maybe for a competition, but now I'm using something, right? Because the mind, you know, that the invisible jujitsu, right? I just moved to something and it's like, holy shit, why do I have this guy's arm like this? This guy, he can bite me. He can get out, right? Do you, would you recommend that somebody go to a jiu-jitsu school no matter what or absolutely seek out law enforcement training as it relates jiu-jitsu classes as it relates to law enforcement only? No. Does that make sense? Um, right? No. I think it's important to, if, you, if you're training just to be a police officer, then it would be probably wise to go train with somebody that's actual mm-hmm. a police officer and is teaching you because he's going to guide you and he's going, okay, this is what you're really going to be using. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you don't have that around you, can you get that same training at any jiu-jitsu academy? Of course yeah. you can. 
when I got my training, I wasn't taught by cops. There was no cops. You know, it was all yeah. Brazilians back then. <laughs> all Brazilians. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I think that's where common sense, which is sometimes not common, <laughs> but <laughs> common, <laughs> common sense would at least guided me on what I can and can't do in a, in, in a situation. It was just, I don't know, it registered to me. So that's what I tell my, my students and I tell everyone, even my, my civilians, uh, my, the majority of my students, I'll tell them, I said, we're not dumb here, but if you get in a fight, Walmart, for example, Seems like everything is happening at Walmart. But <laughs> but you get into My feet a, is full of Walmart fights. <laughs> you get attacked or what have you. You got to understand, can you finish? Could, could you hurt somebody with an armbar? Yes. Is um, Joe, like I would say, Joe, do you really think that you put somebody in an armbar that's never seen this in this life, that they're actually going to stop just because you're cranking it? They're not. They're not. It's not a smart thing. What would be a better tactic? Just take full control of their back and put them out. Bingo. There you go. Get to their back. Because if you could take them down, you mount them, they're all going to give you the back. Mm -hmm. They all turn. Yeah, you have to. Once you mm -hmm. turn. If you don't know, you have to. Yeah. Once they turn, you put them out. There's no real need to go overboard. But the true warriors, the true discipline, um, jujitsu people they don't go overboard they do i mean i think ryan hall got into a fight a couple years ago in the restaurant right? yeah what did he do he just held he the just guy took him down and um, he mounted him what about um there was another guy another the ufc um um the guy from new jersey um oh my gosh he fought in the ufc he's one of uh henzo's black belts also Oh my gosh. Um, but anyway, he won a, he won the UFC yeah. in one year. That guy's a little badass. Yeah. You know. He got into the same situation. I think he mounted somebody. Didn't lay one hit or anything. Could have destroyed the guy. Yeah. There's no need for it. It is so simple in an actual fight. I tell people all the time, it's literally like you're playing with a child. The most resistance you'll get is in the beginning, 30 seconds. Give them 30 seconds. Weather the storm for 30 seconds. It's over. They're going to walk into whatever position you want. Them They're going to get tired. They're going to get gonna tired. They're going to get frustrated. It's over. And they're basically going to just... And that's why, and that's why I, 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 I tell everybody from my experience... I didn't have to use fancy wrist locks. I didn't have to use pressure points. I didn't have to do anything except if I got my hands on you, I was going to take you down. Easy, single, double, body lock, take you down. I'm going to mount you. I know what you're going to do. You're not going to try to hit me because people realize real quick, hitting from their backs, it's not advantageous. They have no advantage to that. So they... They, the first thing they're going to try to do is push you off. When they see that's not successful, they're going to turn to their knees, turtle position, and stand up. And try you, to stand up. Try to stand <laughs> up. And you know this because every instructor is going to tell you this. Every good jiu-jitsu instructor is going to tell you, it's going to show you this. 
you let them turn over, you take the back, and they want to take a nap in the middle of a fight. So we're not going to be rude. What do you think? I, I hope you saw this video um, where uh, Jiu-Jitsu student got out of his car to help a police officer that was trying to hold some. And look, that police officer, he looked jacked, and he couldn't he couldn't uh, subdue or get the cuffs on. Uh, looked like he was maybe drunk. An older suspect on the ground, and this civilian gets out, who knew, wound up knowing jujitsu, gets out to help. What are your thoughts on a civilian coming into a situation where you might, you know, you might be getting the the, the worst end of of this altercation? That's a tricky, tricky one. On the surface, I could tell you that the guy did a good thing. He really helped that officer out. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I understand the unwillingness of many to want to jump in a situation where there's law enforcement involved. Mm -hmm. Because they're afraid that they could be under attack by the officer, maybe seen as part of the aggression or part of the or the bad side of whatever incident they're dealing with. And I can see the hesitancy on that part. So, yes, they have to. Anybody that I know that I, before I would get involved in something like that, I would, I would verbally identify myself. Officer, I am here to help you if you need me to help you. I see you need help. Do you want me to help you out? Get that verbal okay. Mm -hmm. And then be careful when the other officers show up. They don't think that you're the... Exactly. The that you're attacking the officer and you get bulldozed over. And I think that part of it, that's, that's the fear of why people are hesitant to join in. That's one side of it. Mm -hmm. The other side is... You may have some people that just won't do anything. The first and only thing they'll do is pull out their phones to record it. Yeah. They'll record an entire homicide before they even get involved. The world we live in. The world we live in, exactly. And that is, you know. Well, you're either a warrior or a cameraman. Yeah. <laughs> so from the officer's standpoint, though, if that's you, do you invite that? Are you okay with that happening? Oh, yes. As long as they do the things that you just said or, you know, you want the help. Let's go back to yeah. my situation. Yeah. I'm on the ground there in Opalaka. Guy's trying to kill me. Yeah. To me, anybody they would have offered help would have been a voice of God. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I don't see anything except help. So if an officer, you know, and if I see that the officer is even at a point where he can't even respond Maybe he's even knocked out. And it's just him and that guy. Hell yeah, I'm taking that guy out. <laughs> I am. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I gotta do to save his life. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, it's a tricky situation. Try to verbalize and identify your your intentions before you just get involved. Because yeah, it could be bad. Well, you know, speaking of the seventies and eighties, back then people started with this, with the whole lawsuits thing. So if you got hurt or you saw something, somebody, you know, needing help and you get involved and then all of a sudden you find yourself in a lawsuit because 
because you got involved, that person got hurt, and now they're suing you, and so and so. So people then became very hesitant of, of like getting involved. It, yeah. So it's the old, uh, you know, my house is getting robbed, and he slips on a, on a, <laughs> on a banana peel in your house, and he sues you. He, you're robbing me, That's still and the now case. you sue me, right? I mean, that was That's that still was the a case thing, now. Right? Yeah, is this it, is yeah. what they're talking about on the news a lot, where you hear, you know, why are the criminals getting so much more benefit than the, than the police or oh, the homeowner or the, you know. Yeah. You you it's have no idea the battles that we have with the department heads that um, decide what officers can and can't do. It's like the bad guys have so much more rights, so many. They can do anything, and they keep taking stuff away from the cops to the point where you, you got some places that are the cops are literally afraid to go hands-on because I think New York, New York's out of control. Yeah. That play, that's a shit show out there. It's, and it's such a, is so unfortunate in, in to those poor officers there. In South Florida, is a rear naked choke a fireable offense? Would you, if uh, I'm going to, it's me or him, and it's going to be, if I know jujitsu, I'm a police officer, I know jujitsu, it's going to be me. Is that a fireable offense? Do you know? Listen, if your life's on the line and you're about to get yeah. killed, you do what you got to yeah. do to survive. Deal with the paperwork later. Mm -hmm. Explain it later. I, I usually use an example. Nobody teaches you how to hit someone over the head with a chair. <laughs> but, like if, to learn. <laughs> but if that's all you had to defend yourself, you do it. You do it. And then you justify by explaining why you did what you did. Yeah. So can you get fired? You can get fired for anything. Will it hold up? Probably not. Will not hold up through arbitration if you had a justified reason for doing what you did. Okay. Isn't that the same concept with the gun, though? That ultimately it's not, Absolutely. Like it's not your first resort. And you'd rather it not be your last resort. But when you have to use it, you have to explain it. You have to explain it. But that should be for everything. Every use of force, you should. You need to explain it. You can't just say, oh, I just, my, uh, he, he, he flinched on me and, and, and I hit him over the head. What do you mean flinch? What do you call a flinch? You got to explain stuff like this. Because that's the stuff that will get you caught up in court. And it'll get a whole charge dismissed and make you look like an idiot. So you got it. Let's, uh, you got a young man or woman, aspiring law enforcement officer. What advice would you give them from not just the jujitsu side, but what are the things that they should be conscious of? What, what they're about to get into? Give me like three things, three pieces of advice. Your man, best three pieces of advice you can give them. It, it's even happening today. I even have some students. I've had a lot of cops train with me. They come to me because they know I'm a cop. Almost. If I had 10 cops, let's give you a number. If I had 10 cops, 10 people that came to me, they were not cops. They became cops. With some help through, my, through me sometimes. You know, I don't recommend everybody that walks through my door, you know. I, but I'm a pretty good judge of character and stuff. But let's say I had 10 people that started with me, 
before they were cops, became cops. If I have two of them that are still training, it's too much. They stop training. They all, all of them, they'll be back. They'll be back. But the thing is that they all fall into this trap. They're young. They start making some money. They put on that uniform. You're in your early 20s. Still a kid. You're still a kid. You put on that uniform. You see the attention it brings. You walk everywhere. Badass syndrome. People are always looking at you, whether they like you, hate you. They're always looking at you. You feel important. You feel like you're somebody. You start making some little extra jobs here and there, some, some overtime. It starts kicking in. Oh, making more money, more money. You get caught up and you fall into the same trap that all of us fell into. And I tell them, because when, when they go to become a cop, I say, I'll see you in a few years. Oh, no, 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 I'm coming back. <laughs> you already know. I already yeah. know. <laughs> no, no, I'm coming well, back. No, you're not. You'll be back in about three or four years when things simmer down or something bad happens to you. You'll be back. And, um, yeah, they all do it, man. They all do it. It's so unfortunate. But, I mean, if there was anything that I'd tell them, don't fall into that trap. Stay focused. Stay disciplined. You're not like everybody else. You have a gift that not everybody has. This gift of that what we have is jujitsu is a gift. We have a skill set that not many around us have. In fact, we have a skill set. You and I have a skill set, even if I weren't a cop, that the vast majority of cops don't have. You know, we have teenagers in our academies. They could do better job. They could take a guy into custody like that one guy in that video. Yeah. I have teenagers that would have, man, pressed that guy up in seconds. <laughs> yeah. And you got a fully grown monster cop can't control this guy. In that, that video that we talked about, it was a very large police. He, he might have been short, but he was very stocky. You yeah. can tell. He was a, he was a and muscular guy. And the, and the guy know. was probably double his age. The perp, the perp was probably double his age, at least. You know, must have been a 50 so you, plus. You're saying that all these buff cops are actually no, really no. soft? I'm, well, what I'm saying is that it was like you would, you would look I'm at him. I'm going to get my ass you, kicked the next time you, I go on the street. That's you would look at him and go. No more speeding. You know, from the outside, you say, hey, I, don't want, yeah. I wouldn't want to mess with that guy. Right. And here's this old, you know, this old guy laying on, you know, shirt off. Image is uh, something. You know, so, yeah. yeah, they, you know, and it he works. Clearly knew no grappling listen this is not this is not a knock on that officer he just doesn't know yeah and if he doesn't know we can't really harp on him yeah but he needs to get training he needs to get some jujitsu he's still young enough Mm -hmm. and i guarantee you that that wouldn't have even made headline news had he known some jujitsu yeah it had been over yeah matter of fact there's an incident that just happened recently a couple of months ago here in miami where a couple of officers you know, I've been teaching a lot of seminars here. And a lot of these officers, um, there was a, a lady in the street that was, I don't know, she was having some episode on the distress or something, clearly not there mentally. So they had to go hands-on her. And they got it on video. And there's a guy videotaping it. You don't see one strike in this video. It was handled textbook. Exactly. Like I told them to handle it. 
I don't know if these guys actually took my la- my class, but they handled it just like I. It was a quick takedown control. Control the hands. Roll over, click, click. It's over. Not one hit, nothing. And this lady was actively trying to hit them. Could they have been justified in, in hitting her a few times? Absolutely. You're, you're allowed. We're allowed to hit you. Mm-hmm. We don't have to wait for you to hit us first. If you've gave your intentions that you're going to fight me, if you already mentioned to me you're going to fight me, you, you your clenched hand. your fist, you took a belated stance. I mean, what else is left for you to actually hit me? So I can hit you because I've already made a determination. You're number one, you're going to jail. Number two, you're posing a threat to me so I can hit you. So we're allowed to go hands on first. Some people always say, oh, he hit him first. The officer hit him first. Well, he may have been justified to do it. Some people don't realize that. But anyways, they didn't hit this lady. And it was, you probably didn't hear about it because it didn't make news. And it was recorded. And it was put on social media. But because there was no violence to it, it made no news. And that's exactly what I'm trying to push out there for all departments to do, all officers to do. Follow these lessons that, that follow these jujitsu lessons that you can get at your local academy or even better in my video instructional. There you go. Put <laughs> <laughs> it home. Yeah, what is that again? Give the links again, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll put the link in the uh, in the uh, description yep. for for Perfect. both uh, Perfect. the sound and the and on YouTube. Yes. So very cool. cool. All right, listen, I'm gonna show a couple of things. Hang out with me for a second. We got some cool stuff. Let's uh, show this real quick. That brings back bad memories. <laughs> College, or what? Elementary. <laughs> Element. Oh, really? This is this is a big boy here. You got all. Let me get this out of the way, Bo. So this is from uh, listener. Who uh, who approached me? You can find uh, this. Uh, his name is uh, Patrick Sablin. I think I'm saying his name right. This is, you can find him at this tribal guy underscore. Get centered under okay. you. Yeah, right I'm gonna. That's me, nice. Put this It'll down. fit under the mic. There you go. Can you see all that, Bo? That is nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's hand draw a little like bit, a little bit so, more to your right, to your right, right. to your right, okay. to your right. To, there you go. There you, you go. Right. Very yeah. cool. So Very Patrick nice. approached me and he said. Listen, I want to, you know, I'm want to do a, a paddle for you, and he told me, says basically there's meaning behind everything that he can draw on a paddle like this, right? So I wanted to do something for the podcast, but he can do it where you give him your history, like your story of your life, and these paddles are meant to be like a. Uh, like the history of either a person or again, I'll go out on a limb here and say like a tribe. Right. And all of these designs mean something. I asked him to do something for the podcast specifically. So he redrew our logo, he painted it out and this is what we got. I had not seen the size of this in relation to a human being. So I didn't know it was this big. I thought it was like a small paddle. You know, maybe like half the right, size. A coffee you know, because I saw, yeah, I saw it <laughs> exactly. on a table, like on just a picture of it without any context for size, and then I got it in the mail. <laughs> I was like, well, and I think it's amazing, Patrick. It thank you very much again. At this tribal guy underscore 
on Instagram. Go check him out. I'm going to show some other things that he's sent us in the in coming episodes. Uh, they do some really cool jewelry and necklaces with, like, you know, all tribal kinds of stuff. He sent us some T-shirts that we'll wear on the show as well. But awesome. I thought this was amazing. So yes. We're gonna nice. try to we're gonna figure out a way to keep this in uh, in the studio. I think Theories. I'm gonna put it here for right now. Well, you could discipline guests with that. That's... You, oh my gosh, <laughs> this goes back to what I, <laughs> you this, have a bad paddle story. Oh, this goes back to my elementary days. Yeah, when I was in elementary, we used to get paddled. Really? Oh, nowadays they'll put a principal in in jail for that. But yeah, right. Mine, my principal back then. Man, he had one with my name on it. <laughs> You're that bad, huh? Oh, I was. So what does a bad kid do? Become a cop. <laughs> yeah, butt cheek marks on it. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I can't, I can't wait to get to that story when I write that book because some people say, well, what made you such a great cop? Bad kid. The paddle. <laughs> the paddle, I knew both yeah. sides. <laughs> called ghetto sensibility <laughs> i got a coffee mug for you oh man thank you so much for joining us you, could say, second time. you could say you came on the show and got mugged i am so happy yeah. this. <laughs> I, I dropped the first one did you have, did i give you one you had one already yes okay. awesome oh, good i'm glad you should let glad me know i got one i've got a very cool hat black belt oh, hat man. from flow and roll yes right very cool you got that flow and roll does nice. that yep. one yep i got yep. that yeah that's great very cool it's a nice little right my Flo colors, too. Is, is the shit, man. Flow and Roll's hey, got great stuff. Man. Flow and Roll. These are my colors. Red and black. Um, Love so it. So they call that, in, 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 they we call this gesture hang loose in... Uh, this is the... Because that's hang loose in surfer talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like a Hawaiian thing. Yeah. What is it called? Uh, shaka. Oh, is this it? This is called the Shaka. Oh, okay. Like, uh, I think Hawaiians would call this the Shaka. I think uh, we, uh, Brazilians hijacked it because there's a surf, surfing culture involved with jiu-jitsu, and this became a thing. You know, right. this guy surfed. Oh, is that the beat surfer? I didn't know Brazilians Little sticker were for you. Awesome. I didn't know Brazilians right. were hijackers. <laughs> Hijack. <laughs> it's I got my you job, a, uh, man. It's my job. Got oh, a man, down nice. T-shirt. Huh? Nice. Cool, Very cool. Excellent. Look familiar on the yeah, of uh, course. sleeve there? Right Matches here. the tattoo. Right? Yeah. We got the, uh, the kanji symbols. Yeah. Right, here you go. Nice. I normally also have a bag, and I ran out of bags. So I usually have a nice jujitsu dummies bag for you. That's there okay. you go. I appreciate you coming in. Enjoy that. So we're gonna go with plastic later, just yeah. a regular plastic bag from Walgreens or. Thanks, Bo. I, I just plugged Walgreens. <laughs> this one, Bo. This Shame. one's for you. I just stopped by oh. and saw Flow and Roll. Got your medium. Cool. Flow and roll. Right. On the back. Here, chuck it over. Run and your knock mouth. Everything down. <laughs> and find out. <laughs> That's perfect for you, Bo. Oh, dude, I'm getting my ass kicked for sure. Flow, you can get these on the Flow and Roll. Flow and Roll all right. I'm gonna wear that and be a big. I got some. I got lots a, of other goodies. I'll I'll be sprinkling into I'm some of the be next a big episodes. Big mouth wearing this. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give a couple of quick shout outs and we'll wrap it up. Uh, just a little housekeeping here, everybody. Uh, shout out to our Patreon podcast patrons, including the newest gym sponsor, Carlson Gracie Winterhaven in Winterhaven, Florida. CGWinterhaven.com at Carlson Gracie underscore Winterhaven on Instagram. Also Carlson Gracie Broward County in North Lauderdale. CarlsonGracieBrowardCounty.com and at CarlsonGracieBrowardCounty. We had Big J on. Yep. Shout out to Big J. John Way Martial Arts in Plantation, Florida. JohnWayMartialArts.com at JohnWayMartialArts. Uh, individual sponsors include Jebediah Berra, Robert Walker, Frank House, Boa Athletics. You can check them out at BOA underscore athletics on IG. Michael Pixley Jr., Jason Smiley, Britt Tavar. She works with uh, Fightback CBD. 
What up, Britt? What up, Britt? <laughs> CJ Carroll, Mission 22, doing good things in the veteran community. Chuck Reddor and Roberto Santiago. If you'd like to support the show, you can visit patreon.com forward slash jujitsu dummies. Join and you're automatically entered to, to win up to $100 in jujitsu swag every single month. It might be stuff from our podcast store, some of the stuff you see here, uh, or some five pack CBD. Check out at Jiu-Jitsu Dummies on Instagram for all the ways to watch, listen, and support. You can donate to our scholarship program where we award one-year scholarships to amazing kids. We're going to stick with kids right now with everything that's going on in the Jiu-Jitsu community. We want to help more kids find better Jiu-Jitsu schools, okay, where they can feel safe and empowered. Uh, check out the podcast store at jujitsudummies.shop. 15% off with code JJD. We've got ranked rash guards, tees, backpacks, coffee mugs, stuff you've seen here. We want to thank the We Defy Foundation. We're going to their gala in D.C., uh, excuse me, in Dallas in, next Thursday. Um, we want to thank them for all they do to support the veteran and the jiu-jitsu community. And for those of you who don't know already, they provide therapeutic relief to disabled combat veterans through jiu-jitsu. You can check them out on Instagram at We Defy Foundation. Or you can donate anytime on their website at WeDefyFoundation.org. Last but not least, Fight Back CBD. Get 20% off your CBD order at fightbackcbd.com with code JJD. Do you want to say hello, thank you, shout-outs to anybody? Well, thank you for having me. Oh, I always. really appreciate it. You've always it. got a place here whenever you want to yeah, come on. Man, you, got, you, know, you and Bo, you guys are wonderful. Thank you, I man. Appreciate I appreciate you having thank me. You. Thank you, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, so um, put those links so they can... Uh, BJJ Fanatics. BJJ Fanatics, but you can also find me on YouTube. Freddie, just put in Trillo Jiu-Jitsu Academy or, or um, yeah, I also I have you. it. I found you easy. You po- yeah. I follow you. Okay. you. Everything pops up for me. Everything <laughs> pops up. Good, bad, everything. Right, once you follow, right, we say I'm click there. the bell and you get an, an alert every time you put up a video. Yeah. All right? Yeah, so. Your, what's your IG again? Your Instagram? Sensei underscore Trillo. There you go. Easy to find, everybody. I'm at Uncle Milty BJJ on IG. Again, at Jiu-Jitsu Dummies on IG. I'm usually the guy that's going to answer most of the questions there. Appreciate you guys watching and listening. Thank you so much. Us. We out. Ooh. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs>